Yellen sends one to right center and deep. Get up! What's going on, Ball and Glove Lover Brewer fans? Welcome to the Brewers Trilogy Podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. I'm your host, Tyler. You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Kurth or read my articles by following Reeling the Brew on Twitter. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod or on YouTube by searching Wisconsin Sports Trilogy. Joining me as always is my cheesehead loving buddy Trevor. He is a host of the Packers Trilogy Podcast and can be found on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. So before we get into the Brewers talk, how are you doing over there today, Trevor? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Can't complain too much over here. I mean, no one would really listen to me if I did anyways, but <laughs> doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. I, I definitely can't complain. I definitely procrastinated on homework already and was watching Star Wars today. So <laughs> got my homework done. Saturday and I was like, oh, I should maybe work ahead a little bit. That didn't happen. <laughs> it never does work out. And, you know, nobody listens at my house either when I complain. That's why I just was gone all day today snowmobiling. So <laughs> didn't really matter. <laughs> oh, yeah. But we do have some Brewers topics to complain about. So we'll try and keep that at a minimum here today. But Everywhere around the league is heating up. They're making moves. Players are starting to go. Guys, Brewers were rumored in. Guys who we had interest in, or at least us as fans. And the Brewers have still done pretty much diddly squat. So I'm going to say diddly squat because there have been a few acquisitions this offseason. So just as a reminder, we did pick up Zach Green, primarily a minor leaguer off waivers that was in like early October or November I believe he's a third baseman we did sign Daniel Robertson we just recently acquired Blaine Hardy a left-handed pitcher of course there's Leo Crawford earlier this offseason Luke Maley and Tim Lopes as well so we haven't really discussed a lot of these guys in great detail because I was certainly hoping the Brewers were going to do more but till date they haven't so do any of these eye-popping guys stand out to you that you want to talk about who are they? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I will be honest. I, unless it's like a, a name that I know, and I will be completely honest with you, I don't know these names. I was like, I don't know enough baseball players. Like I know low level NFL players, but I don't know mid low to mid tier MLB players. So I. We'll be honest with you. I do not. I do not know these people. So Tyler, you're gonna have to to teach me a little bit about these guys because I I just flat out don't know a lot. That is perfectly fair, and I would not expect you to know a lot about them because these are a lot of lesser known guys. So 
I'm going to get us pumped with one guy right away, and that's Zach Green. So like I said, primarily a minor leaguer. He did make his MLB debut in 2019 with the Giants and has had a really good couple of minor league seasons before that. And looking back to 2019 here, uh, that year in AAA, he hit 25 home runs, 64 RBIs, and listen to his slash line here. 282 batting average, 380 on base percentage, 659 slugging, OPS of 1.039. So definitely raked in AAA. And then even going back a year prior, so 2018, uh, split between AA and AAA that year, he hit 20 home runs, 75 RBIs, a 281 batting average. So I think there might be some promise here with this kid, and he's got an invite to big league camp, so we're going to get to see him in action here once spring gets going. Did you say what position, Tyler? Third base, the hot corner. Oh, boy. That's that's something. That's a lot of, like, what-if scenarios. Like, there's there's a lot of question about that. And as a Brewer fan, I'm sure a lot of Brewer Nation is like, yeah, that sounds great, but is he going to be able to perform consistently at a major league level? Whether it be 152 games or 162 games, whatever the season will be, you know, is he going to be able to contribute on a consistent basis at that level is going to be the big question. And hopefully he does. Hopefully he's a some sort of, you know, you can trust him in the field and, and give you – you know, that fourth or fifth spot in the batting order and and a guy that you can trust to bring home runs in that spot. So hopefully it happens, but I feel like it's a big, big time question mark. You know, there's always guys who just stand out in spring. So like, hopefully this is one of those guys because at like 26 years old already, I mean, there's a reason that the Giants likely gave up on him. I'm just taking a glance at his, his numbers here. looks like Strikeouts might be a little bit of an issue for him here, but I mean, this is the Brewers. It's always like, let's find a guy who hits for power and it's like home runner strikeouts. So um, that's that typically is how it tends to go with us anyway. And then doesn't really draw a ton of walks, but like the batting average, at least in AAA, 280, I really like that. Obviously, you, you can't fully expect that to translate to his first year in the major leagues if he does end up making the ball club, but. Like you said, a little bit of a long shot, a lot of unknowns, um, but I think very much an under-the-radar signing because this happened early on in the offseason, and and we're still sitting here complaining about no third baseman. but Zach Green we all kind of forgot a little bit about. Another guy on here is probably our most recently signed guy, and that's Blaine Hardy, so a left-handed pitcher, uh, primarily pitched for the Tigers throughout most of his career, logged 233 games with them and had a, has a respectable 3.73 ERA. He's kind of going to be like our Alex Claudio replacement, I guess you could call it. I know that doesn't really sound appealing, but as a left-handed pitcher, he, he doesn't throw very hard. In fact, his fastball like barely reaches over 90 miles per hour, and he throws a lot more change-ups than fastballs. I think his changeup was, you know, he throws it like 44% of the time. So a little interesting there. And he also mixes in a curveball and a slider. So, I mean, as a relief pitcher, having a four-picks Mitch is is kind of unusual. But I I think with his stuff, that makes sense because he's not very overpowering. He's going to look to keep you off balance. So he will be the Brewers, like, most 
he has the most experience in the bullpen because he's 33 years old. So, um, of course, he was not added to the 40-man roster. Let me clarify that. He was a minor league deal uh, with an invite to spring training, and he is coming off a Tommy John surgery last March. So not sure when his timetable is for return, but could be a, a decent pickup for this Brewers bullpen, I think. Yeah, and I, I was just about to ask you why he didn't pitch in 2020, but that that makes sense. Looking back, like there's this thing that you're like as a fan, you just always want the best players available and you want the best players for your team. And especially being, and this is way overblown all of the time, but especially being in a small market, you can't just spend on anybody you want. So you have to make these types of signings where, yeah, they're not exciting. Yeah, you wish they would go out and sign a much bigger name type of prospect but in this case you can't have too many solid pitchers he's not going to be one that's going to be a josh Hader, devin williams type of player but a 3-7 throughout his career and it's not a small sample size in six years like you can do a lot worse and just having more depth in that potentially if he actually does get a major league um, contract. But like, if you have that depth, it's going to be so beneficial to your team. It, it's important. I know it's not flashy. It's not fun. And this Brewers team probably still needs a splash for them to truly be good. But I do think these signings do mean something and do help the team overall. It's just not the over-the-top type of move. It's going to help the team win games, but it's not going to help the team win the World Series, I think is a good way to put it. Most certainly. And the good part about Hardy here is he has a minor league option left. So even if he doesn't make the ball club out of spring training, we can put him down in AAA, stash him there. And if you need him, he's there. If you know if he turns out to be something good, even better. But like we kind of said, not really expecting a whole lot. Just eat up some innings and, and be a solid guy respectable numbers as you were pointing to. So let's move over to some acquisitions that happened in the National League Central this weekend. The biggest thing in all of baseball right now is Nolan Arenado going to the St. Louis Cardinals for, I think it ended up being like five prospects and like one in their top 10, the Cardinals ended up giving up and it's just like, what the hell were the Rockies thinking? They even sent the Cardinals cash with Nolan Arenado. So uh, absolutely bonkers of a trade. I think it certainly propels the Cardinals to the favorites at this point in the division because nobody really made any moves up until this last weekend. But what were your thoughts when you first heard about the trade and what do you think the impact is on the Central? I mean, it definitely helps the Cardinals. I think you're right that it probably propels them to the favorite. And then the Cubs also got Jock Peterson, and Jock Peterson's another guy I don't think is going to take you to a World Series. He's not that type of player. But Nolan Arenado is that splash, is that guy that could take the team over the top. Um, and that's concerning as a Brewers fan. I have a hard time deciding which team I hate more, the Cardinals or the Cubs. And the fact that either one of those two teams got Nolan Arenado is terrible and it feels like a steal it, it felt like the steal the crew got with Christian Yelich right like I was excited about Lewis Brinson but 
it it's not even close because he hasn't remotely become a legit guy that you worry about in any sort of lineup. So this is another one that I feel like is going to be very similar. Yeah, the Cardinals fans, the diehard fans might have liked some of those prospects and didn't like giving them away, but you got a sure thing in Arenado, and that sure thing is likely going to wreak havoc at American Family Field. Yeah, um, Arenado is absolutely a Brewers killer. I God, I don't have the stats up in front of me, but people are talking all about his numbers at well, Miller Park now, AmFam Field, and it's just absolutely insane. But I do want to point out, because obviously with Arenado, he was spent most of his time at Coors Field, and there's the effect there in the mountains. And I was like, okay, well, you know, how drastic of a change could it be? But listen to this craziness. In Coors Field, Nolan Arenado is batting 322 throughout his entire career. At away ballparks, his career average dips down to 262. He obviously hits for less power at opposing ballparks and is just overall less productive. Like 262, like that, you sure you have some power and you're a respectable player then, but the fact that there's, what are we talking here, a 60 point difference in batting average between at Coors Field and away is just absolutely crazy. So, how is Nolan Arenado going to do in a full season where he's playing 81 games, hopefully, at Bush, Bush Stadium? I don't know. I think his numbers are going to dip. Not a ton, but they're going to dip. He might not be quite the player he is in Colorado, but he's still a good player. He's still a very talented player. But to further your point, Tyler, you mentioned you know the batting average difference. And you mentioned how he doesn't hit for power quite as well. He has 37 less home runs away than he does at home. And the plate appearances at bats are pretty close. Uh, At bats are like 42 apart. So not a huge difference there. And then you look at slugging percentage. It's like 140 points down when he's not at Coors Field which also makes the OPS drop insanely, like a lot. At Coors Field, he's, he's hit uh, 985 for his OPS, 793 right now away from Coors Field. So definitely some issues there. His on-base percentage away from Coors Field is the same as his batting average at Coors Field. So <laughs> the, I think there's something there, but I do also think there's something to – the effect of he probably just hits better when he's, you know, consistently in his own bed, all that, you know, being at home type of thing, I do think probably helps as well. But I imagine, you know, the mountains do have something to do with that, especially the power numbers. Right. Now we have to sit here and dread a Cardinals offensive lineup that composes composes of Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnato. Like, I have, that does not sound like a fun series to me whatsoever. Both are the Brewer killers. Fucking Cardinals, just like, oh, we're just going to get the guys that play really good against Milwaukee just so we can forever, like, make me feel terrible about any time the Cardinals <laughs> play the Brewers. Because you're right, they are Brewers killers. Paul Goldschmidt has been killing the Brewers for, I don't know, how long has he been in the league? That's how long he's been killing the Brewers. It's... It's crazy. Um, and yeah, that definitely frightens me a bit as a Brewers fan that the Cardinals got another one of those types of players. 
And it definitely does not help the, the, the fan in me that's like not ready to just wait and see what David Stearns does. I say trust in Stearns all the time to end the podcast. And that there's a, there's a part of me that's like saying, okay, Stearns, what the fuck are you going to do? We need to do something. <laughs> right. And, but I will say I do trust David Stearns. He is very, very smart and hopefully he gets something together to make this a deep postseason run for this Milwaukee Brewers team. Oh gosh, because yeah, now Rosario's gone, Peterson's gone, Hans Alberto just went today on a minor league deal, which is absolutely crazy. Uh, guys are starting to go left and right, but your guy, Marcelo Zuna, is still out there, and the Brewers were rumored to him. So here's my question to you. If the Brewers went out and you know, ignore all the complications of signing Azuna, finances, where does he play? Does he DH? Does he play outfield? What about Vogelbach? Uh, how, do, how does that work? We don't know. Ignore all that. He's going to be a productive offensive bat in our lineup. Does this combat the fact that the Cardinals just got Nolan Arenado? Would you say these two are just going to wash out and now the Brewers are up there with the favorites in the division too? Or what would your feelings be on that? Well, first off, I I will answer your question. But first, I want to say to you, bringing up Dan Vogelbach versus Marcelo Suna as the DH. Who the fuck? Kick him on the street, Vogelbach. Sorry, bud. It was it was a fun <laughs> it was a fun few months. But if Marcelo Zuna is there and his spot is in the DH spot, that's just too goddamn bad for Vogelbach. And he it does it's not even close. He's not Vogelbach in the streets of Milwaukee with Edward Forty Hands because he's all depressed <laughs> now. Jesus, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, but if if Ozuna was in town, I it wouldn't matter what Vogelbach's role would be at that point. I do think it helps combat that. You know, you meant we were talking about Paul Goldschmidt. I think, you know, I know we already had them, but he's just so good, and adding two players that are that talented is going to be tough, but you expect Christian Yelich to bounce back. You expect, expect Keston Hero to bounce back. You throw in Marcelo Suna. You throw in a guy like Lorenzo Cain, and you expect Avi Garcia to bounce back. Now, we'll have to figure out what the, the outfield rotation is, how those guys get consistent ABs, all that type of stuff, but that's four guys that all of a sudden you're like, okay, that's we have a lot of faith in those four guys. And those are actually five guys. I mentioned five guys. We have one through five figured out. You got Kane, Hira, Osuna, Yelich, and Avi Garcia. And you feel extremely comfortable with pretty much any of those guys outside of Osuna, probably in that leadoff spot. And probably Avi too. But like you, you just are so comfortable with your top five. And then you get a guy like Zach Green to figure it out. You know, a championship run is more about just paying your way to a championship. If you can get guys to step up, and Christian Yelich needs to be the guy, Keston needs to step up, Avi Garcia needs to step up. I haven't even mentioned Omar Nervias. That throws another bat in there that could be very potent. If these guys step up and play to the way they're capable of playing, I do think the Brewers would then be the favorites. That is assuming Ozuna's in there. Now, Ozuna not being in there, I still think they can make a run and be in contention. 
if they get all of those necessary step ups from all of those players that we expect to step up, I do think they still have a chance to to be a good team. And with this pitching staff, hopefully they take another step, all those types of things. I do think they can still be a contending team just without Osuna, without a player of his caliber. I don't think they're on the same level as the Cardinals right now, not saying they wouldn't be able to beat them, you know, or have a better record than them at the end of the year. Yeah, it's an interesting question to toss around because, like you said, a lot of other variables. Um, but kind of how I approach the question is if Wood signing, Marcelo Zuna, Combat Arenado signing, I was like, okay, let's just focus on this from an offensive standpoint. So I went back and looked at their careers. Both have logged eight years in the MLB. And Arenado has the edge in batting average, on-base percentage, OPS, um, has hit 235 home runs compared to Ozuna's 166. Arenado has 760 RBIs compared to Ozuna's 549 or 594, excuse me. So, like, those are kind of drastic differences there. But then when you back it up to the past two seasons, give a little recency bias here, it gets a little bit more interesting because Marcelo Zuna had that crazy 2020 season where he hit 18 home runs, 56 uh, runs batted in, had a 338 batting average in the OPS of 1.067. So you're like, oh yeah, Ozuna was great last year. He he should you know be able to do that again. And it's like I don't know. Like from year to year, I think Ozuna has a lot more variance to his stats. Like in 2019, when he was still a Cardinal. He hit 241. Granted, he had 29 home runs that year, but like the average just was just way down from his normal like 260 to 280 range. So, I think Azuna is a little bit more of a you you know you're going to get a good player, but just how good you don't really know. Whereas with Arenado, he's been so consistent throughout his career. But then again, will will leaving Coors Field change that? I don't know. And I do think Coors Field is going to change his power numbers. I don't know how much like batting average would change. I mean, you mentioned 2019, how he struggled with his batting average and everything, and he did. But outside of that year, he hasn't had another year that he was below 250. And the only other season he was under 260 was 2015 when he batted 259. So he's been a consistently good guy to get on base. I mean, average 276 throughout his career. Um, But the thing to me and the thing that would make this such a great signing, even though his batting average jumps all over the place and it truly does, goes from... 266 to 312 to 280 to 240 up to 338 like makes no sense but his home run numbers are pretty consistent since 2016 his first all-star year he hit 23 home runs outside of 2020 which if he had a full season he would have throttled that Um, outside of 2020 that was his tied for his lowest amount of home runs so you're getting a 25 to 30 home run type of player with Marcelo Zuna and that to me you can deal with the volatility and batting average if that's the case because he has been that good 2016 23 then it goes 37 23 29 and then 18 in 2020 and who knows what he would have done in a full season with his home runs. I I think he'd have been definitely pushing 40, if not beyond that. And 
I don't know, maybe it's 50. I don't know. He was just on such a tear that if he's on that type of tear, it still baffles me why he's unsigned. Um, and maybe his requests are too much or whatever it happens to be. But it is just crazy to me that that he is still on the open market. Yeah, he's by far the most coveted free agent going into this offseason. So I don't think four years is you know too outlandish of a deal. It's just I don't know what his asking price is. It, it must be way up there. So I don't know. Interesting stuff there with Azuna. Obviously, you can all hope and dream and – with the Brewers, it would probably be their only signing of the offseason, but it would be a big one if they would pull that out. So we'll see. Trust in Stearns. I'm, sh- I'm sure he hopefully will make the right decision when the time comes there. And there have been a lot of other rumors as well this weekend, especially, you know, when there's a trade that goes on within division, in the division, everyone starts, you know, talking, all right, the Brewers need to trade for someone or do this, do that. And well, Jose Ramirez is now reportedly available for, from the uh, Indians or the Cleveland baseball team, whatever the hell they're going with now. Uh, Josh Hader was linked to trade interest with the Padres and the Rays. Uh, so you want to take a stab at any one of these trades or any thoughts on them? Well, they're not trading Hader, so we'll just smash that right away. Second, I think the... The Ramirez stuff is interesting. I do think he would help this team. And is is the cost worth it, basically, is the question, right? Is it going to be worth it? Or what what is going to be the cost? I truly don't know. I don't know what that's going to be. Your editor at Reviewing the Brew posted an article about this, you know, what that the Indians are listening to offers on Ramirez, all of these types of things. Is it worth going after him or what's the cost going to be? And he mentions that they'll likely ask for Garrett Mitchell. And if that's the case, I would I would probably say, nah, I'll pass. Um, I You don't just give up your number one prospect in your system when your system is not that great in the minor leagues. Um, so to me, I don't I wouldn't love that. I don't like giving away that top end of a prospect for a guy like Ramirez. Now it'd be different if it was, you know, uh, Tatis or something like that, then of course, but I don't think it's the same level. So I would not be willing to do that. If there's another way that you can get them, can we get some left-handed pitching prospects um, to them? You know, Aaron Ashby, Anton Kelly, David mentioned Ethan Small as well. Again, your top end talent. I know Aaron Ashby and Anton Kelly are are right there too, but like, I don't know. I I don't love the idea. I'd have to really want see the package in order for me to really decide if I would be on board with it or not. But the player himself, I would definitely be on board with the player that is Jose Ramirez because uh, David went and had his uh wow slash line over the last five years 290 366 529 that's pretty damn good that's pretty damn good so you know the player himself i'm up for it maybe i'm just uh, having too much uh love for the prospects and and not wanting to get rid of them but i don't know i'd love it i'd love to have them there but i'd have definitely want to see the the compensation first 
Yeah, because I wouldn't really want to part ways with Mitchell either. And it's interesting that obviously that'd be the Brewers giving up their top rated prospect in the system. But like you look back and like, obviously you can't compare this apples to apples, but what the the Indians and Mets did when Lindor was traded there, plus Carrasco, the Mets only gave up two, you know, major league ready guys and then two prospects for two really freaking good major league players. So it's like, could the Brewers get away with not giving away Mitchell? I think the answer would be yes, just because of how much lack of return we've seen in these trades so far this off season. Like I feel, I feel like the Brewers should be able to hold on to Mitchell if, if a trade would ever come about that way. And I don't, you know, I don't know. I would, I like to part ways with Anton Kelly or someone like that or Aaron Ashby. I, I don't know, but if it gives me Jose Ramirez, I'm down for it because he'd be under contract for three more years and pretty reasonably priced as well. Nine, nine mil this year, 11 mil 2022, and then 13 mil the season after that. And, you know, that would be his age 30 season when we'd be departing ways with them. So you're getting a guy in his prime and he's obviously would fit very well into this offense. So yeah, I think that the return for what a trade would look like would be interesting. I just, I can't really justify myself that Garrett Mitchell would be included in that package though. Yeah, so that is pretty much it for what's going on in Brewer Nation. We're not going to dive into more hater rumors because, as we know, the Brewers are asking a shitload for that, and no one's probably Rightfully so. And, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing. You always listen. You always listen because if someone does, let's say, for instance, for some reason the, the Padres were just not – understanding anything and decided that they were going to be the worst organization in baseball and say hater for Tatis straight up. Okay. Let's, let's talk, let's talk, but there's no team that's going to be doing that. And you're the, the asking price does need to be high. You need to be blown away. If you're going to get rid of one of your best players. Most certainly. I mean, Best reliever in baseball by far. So that is Josh Hader. That's who you're giving up. Maybe what, second best. Who? Devin Williams, number one? Hell yeah. <laughs> I think he's got to prove it another year to be considered the actual best. <laughs> but yeah, based off 2020, dude was unreal. So, <laughs> all right. That is going to wrap us up for our Brewers podcast here. Hopefully, we can come back. Or like with another podcast this week with an actual big signing, an emergency podcast. Just want to talk about it so it actually finally freaking happens. But we'll see. We're into February now as this is coming out. So it's go time, David Stearns. <laughs>